Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Ocean State Sidelines. I'm Brian McGear, sports writer with the Pawtucket Times Socket Call, joined on this Friday afternoon by Will Gagan, sports editor of The Independent. And Will, on any other Friday when it's Big East Tournament semifinal night and I'm in New York City, we'd be talking about the PC Flyers trying to get to the Saturday championship game. But I feel that there's more pressing issues to talk about to lead off this podcast, namely what took place down in Kingston today and also what happened up at Smithfield earlier this week. So first of all, welcome back. And let's begin with the news of the day, which is that David Cox, the error after four years is over. Yeah, it's over. Uh, the Rams lost to Richmond last night in the A-10 tournament, a very familiar kind of game where they had a lead and they're up 15 and lost it. And uh, that ended their season sub 500 year for the second year in a row. I think, you know, the writing was pretty much on the wall at that point. Uh, I, w- I was going to be very surprised if, uh, if you or I decided to keep David Cox. Uh, and, and sure enough, morning, the next morning, morning after, uh, they an- announced that they are parting ways with David Cox after four years. So we will have a new coach in Kingston uh, pretty soon. Yeah, yeah, I guess the time you're in the news, Will, um, it kind of reveals a little bit that A.D. Thorbjorn he was he just didn't make this decision last night based on losing to Richmond in the fashion that they did. Yeah, obviously it's a little bit premeditated. He's probably taking a deep dive where it's looking going forward. You know, decisions like this just don't happen overnight. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, you know a decision was probably you know, very close to being made uh, going into the A10 tournament, even probably going back a few weeks uh, with the way things were going, and it was going to take something you know a run to the A10 title for. For uh, for David Cox to keep his job would would, would be my guess, um, but yeah, I mean it just didn't it just didn't work. Um, you know, t- his first year taking over for Dan Hurley, sort of understandable that they might take a little bit of a step back with the uh, you know with the talent they lost from from the NCAA team. The next year they were strong. I mean, they won ten games in a row at one point with with Dalton, Langevin, and Russell. And then they sort of faded down the stretch, and that that stretch and everything that came after. Uh, you know, when I look back, I think that was the moment that it fell apart for David Cox. You know, they they fade down the stretch. They sort of fall out. They, they look like they were on the outside looking in um, for the NCAA tournament at that point. Then COVID happens. Like, A-10 tournament gets canceled. NCAA tournament get, gets canceled. So you never know what, what might have happened. Maybe they had a run in them. And then, you know, the, the biggest part of that was Tyrese Martin and Jacob Topp and then deciding to transfer. Um, you know, there were a lot of transfers through the Cox years. Those were two of the biggest uh, because those were kind of the guys who who were going to take the torch. You know, it was you need foundational players in college basketball, and and they were the next two. And then when you don't have them, all of a sudden you're scrambling a bit. And yeah, they brought in some talent, um, but the talent has not been as productive as as they would have hoped. And and then the pieces just haven't fit together the last two years. It's just been um, you know a rough year. They sort of lacked an identity. Uh, and then this year, I mean, the way a ten turn a ten conference play went, it was just. Uh, kind of off the rails uh, and they had trouble getting it back. And so I think, you know, long story short, it was, it was time to make a move. Yeah. You mentioned uh, Jacob Toppin and uh, Tyrese Martin. Tyrese Martin is playing in the Big East semifinals tonight at Master Square Garden with UConn, Jacob Toppin, right <clears throat> uh, Kentucky. Both those moves took place in the spring of 2020. But let's go back, well to the spring of 2018 when David Cox was hired. And the perception at the time is you had this core. You mentioned some of the guys that had left due to graduation, but you still had a Jeff Dowd, a Cyril Langevin, 
You were going to welcome in Jermaine Harris, Therese Martin, also Fats Russell was still in there. To me, I think it was a safe move to promote David Cox after he was assistant under Dan Hurley, just because maybe you want to keep that core in place instead of transferring in case the new coach comes in. Just uh, maybe looking back, your thoughts on at the time of maybe just elevating David Cox just because it was a safe move to do. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I didn't think there was anything wrong with the hire in the moment. Um, you know, you, like, like a few things you said, like the continuity, you, you keep some players around. And Thor Bjorn made it clear that wasn't the reason. It wasn't just like, oh, we'll fall back to David Cox to keep these guys. He was qualified. He's associate head coach. He had great, great coaching resume, great recruiting, um, you know, relationships. He, he brought in a lot of talent and, and certainly a great, a great person too. Like that's been sort of a constant throughout all of this. David Cox is a really good guy. Um, great role model for his players, for his, uh, you know, predominantly African American players, uh, mentor for them really connects with his players, like did a really good job. He was, he was the right guy for the job. You also look at, um, you know, in the A-10, like VCU, that's what VCU has done over and over again. They've just brought up the next guy. Some is keep it in the family, not always an assistant, but like Mike Rhodes, you know, and you know, even going back to Shaka Smart and Will Wade, it, and that worked for them. And, and it, it seemed like maybe it could work for you or I too. Like, why not keep that, keep that role going? Um, Cause it was certainly working just didn't click, uh, you know, two years where it seemed like they were building again up to, up to something special. And then two years where it just fell apart. And now obviously, you know, it's the, uh, the attention will turn to who is going to succeed David Cox. And, you know, there's no shortage of potential candidates I already mentioned out on Twitter. One name, maybe to keep an eye on a local name, well, <clears throat> at least the sense he's already in, in state is Brian head coach, Jared Grasso, you know, just the, uh, the candidate who could be the next David Cox successor, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's possible. Like that's the kind of move that I think you or I may be looking for as a coach from that, that level of conference. Um, and it may be the kind of move that Jared Grasso wants to make. You know, I think he, he could be in the mix for UMass too. Um, I think that would be a possibility as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I could, I could see it. I, I wouldn't speculate any further than that, but I think it's, uh, it's there's, there's probably going to be a call made. I would, I would guess. I would think it calls made, but I'm sure maybe Jared Grasso won't have, will have his list of potential suitors because he just took the Bryant Bulldogs to a place that they've never been before. They're going to the NCAA tournament for the first time as a division one participant, you know, to be defeating Wagner 70 to 43 the other night at the chase athletic center tickets punched, everything else. And it's a crowning moment for the program. And lo and behold, well, two days later, they announced that they have plans to build a new on-campus basketball arena that's going to be debuting in 2023. So you wonder how much is that to do with the success they've had? I'm sure kind of similar to what you or I did this morning with David Cox. It was premeditated. Something like this is kind of like having a new on-campus facility. It's thought about and what perfect time to unveil a plan then when you have a NCAA tournament birth and an NCAA tournament championship to uh, celebrate. Yeah, I mean, that's that's how you keep the accelerator down. That's what you do as an athletic program. That's what all the good athletic programs do. You you parlay that success into into something bigger and, and keep building it. So, that, I mean, that's great for them. Like, that that's going to be an awesome facility. The, the, um, the artist renderings look great. Uh, and clearly, they, you know, Brian has placed a 
big priority on athletics and did that a number of years ago. And it, it's worked in a lot of ways and, and uh, you know, kind of changed the identity of the school to an extent. So I think that's going to be great for them. But yeah, I mean, what a, what a great year they had and what an incredible performance in the, uh, in the NEC finals. I mean, the start they got off to just unbelievable. And to me, well, I was concerned coming out of that semifinal win against Mount St. Mary's, a last second one where Charles Pride was fouled with, ended up being, what, eight-tenths of a second ago. He missed the first free throw, hit the second to break a 69-69 deadlock. And, you know, here it is almost, you know, two, three days later, you got to get gear up for a finals. And I was kind of wondering how much they have left in the tank after such an emotional rock fight against the same Mount St. Mary's team that you lost to a year before in the uh, NEC tournament final. But, man alive, they just answered the bell in resounding fashion. Peter Kiss, he took it to another level and demonstrated why – those who did not vote for him at, for NEC Player of the Year, why did you pass up on me, so to speak, and just went out and dominated the field and almost single-handedly took down Wagner by himself? Yeah, amazing performance by him. What an amazing year he's had. Um, and, yeah, I mean, that, that semifinal game, like sometimes you see that, you know, we watch a lot of sports at, at every level. You see that sometimes where a team has a game in the playoffs where they, they barely survive. And then all of a sudden, they're just quit firing on all cylinders after that. And I think that's what happened. They, they took a deep breath after, after that and just rolled. Um, and so here they are, and they're going to be in the NCAA tournament. I mean, right now, you know, ESPN Bracketology has them in, in Dayton in the first four, one of those uh, the play-in games, and then obviously taking on a number one seed if they get past that. Um, but if I'm a number one seed, I'm not thrilled to be seeing the nation's leading scorer on the other side. No, I'm certainly not. For, you know, Wright State, uh, you know, the team that they're, you know, Joel Lenardi has mentioned them in this bracketology, the Horizon League champion. I'm sure that they're not thrilled to, they're, they're not thrilled to this potential matchup. So they're hoping maybe uh, Joe is a little bit wrong. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, you're right, Will. I mean, if you're a one or a two or whatever it ends up being for, uh, you know, seed-wise and you end up taking on Bryant and you know that Peter Kiss is on the other side and also he has a, dynamic secondary complimentary piece in Charles Pride and a couple of, you know, strong shot blockers in the middle and Greg Callist and Hall Elijah. It's not going to be one of these cupcake one versus 16 games by any stretch. No, I, I really don't think so. I, I mean, yeah, bro, it's a, it's a different level, but usually like those one sixteen games, like the 15 seed, you can have some pretty good 15 seeds. Those 16s, like it's a, it's a much lower level. Those are generally walkover games. Um, but I, I could really see Brian giving teams trouble. They also um, really uh, assert their will very well. That, that's something that they play the way they want to play. And if that a certain matchup, um, you know, that, that could be trouble for, uh, for a one seed. So I, I would be keeping an eye on that. I wouldn't, wouldn't pick a 16 over a one in my bracket, but uh, would certainly think it's going to be an interesting game. No, these are uh, heady times up in uh, Smithfield as they await Selection Sunday to see where they're going to go. And now, uh, Well, it's, like I said, it's weird that we're talking about a Big East team that is playing in the semifinals on a Friday night in Madison Square Garden. But here we are, batting third, the Providence Friars, who survived a, a tough test against Butler yesterday. I mean, I went in thinking that regardless of whether, whether it's going to be Xavier or Butler, either team is going to give the Friars a tough uh, go of it. And the Bulldogs certainly did, and part of my reason was because either way, they played tough ga tough games against both those teams this year. And as you know, seeing a team for the third time in a conference tournament, neutral floor, it's kind of like those scouting points are thrown out the window. It's all about going out and playing. 
Yeah, I mean, there's no easy games in any conference tournament, especially the Big East. Like that, I mean, those teams are so close together. I mean, even, you know, you know, DePaul game, took, took PC to, to overtime. Um, there, there's just, it, it's, a, it's a great league. Um, you know, and what, you know, what PC did yesterday, they just, they, they did what they did. They survived. That's what they always do. Uh, I don't. I don't think I've ever observed a team that's so good at winning close games and that believes in itself so much to get it done. It's really amazing. I think it just goes back to that veteran core who they're not phased by anything. You know, Nate Watson. You know, Ed Cooley doesn't hesitate to say that he's been in college longer than you know Methuselah almost. You know, AJ, <laughs> a four-year player, Al Durham, and Justin Minaya, four-year players at high-level schools at uh, South Carolina, Indiana, respectively. Noah Hawkler, another uh, player who's had college stops before coming to PC. Jared Bynum, you know, former St. Joe's starting point guard as a freshman, comes to PC. Here he is, ends up uh, winning accolades in his second year with the team. It's just, it's a veteran group that I think does not get rattled given the moment. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's huge in college basketball. Um, you know, people, people kind of can discount it a little bit. I think, you know, there have been so many great teams that have a lot of young guys, less so in the past few years, but that one and done era, uh, kind of the height of that era, it, it, it gave credence to the idea that it's just about talent, but experience matters so much in college basketball and PC has it. And they, it's also, once you, once you win a close game and win another close game, then all of a sudden you, you're just going to win close games. And I mean, it's the same the other side of that is the same reason why you or I blew so many leads is they just hadn't done it. They hadn't won those kind of games. And so they kept losing those kind of games. So I, you know, I think PC is just in a really good spot and you know, maybe like Bryant, they, they survived that one. And maybe now they, uh, they really start clicking again, uh, beginning tonight against Creighton. Yeah. It's a Creighton team. Well, that's different. And we always, when we always talk about Creighton, you talk about an up and down offense that hasn't been the case this year. In fact, their defense has really been carrying them. You know, Ken Palm has them ranked 26th in defensive efficiency. They're 128th in offensive efficiency. It's usually it, – those numbers are reversed. But here they are. They have the reigning defensive player of the year in, uh, in the Big East and Ryan Kalkbrenner, a shot-blocking seven-footer in the middle. It's, I don't think it's going to be an easy chore. I'm sure Friar fans are thinking, wow, we blew this team out the night that we clinched the Big East regular season championship. But, you know, it's a neutral floor. One thing that I've noticed being in New York for a few days, you know, you talk about the UConn fans are here, and then you talk about the PC fans are here, but Omaha fans, they have turned out in major droves here. I, I, they probably couldn't wait to get on the plane, come to the big city, and, you know, they'll certainly make their presence felt tonight. Uh, yeah. you know, it could be, uh, I expect a pro PC crowd once again, but I wouldn't be surprised if we hear uh, lots of chants from the Blue Jay Nation as the game goes along. Yeah, I think it's going to be wild. Um, what a great atmosphere. Yeah, I think you you know PC probably you know would pre would have preferred Creighton over Marquette just the way Marquette beat them in January is a long time ago, but they were the only team that really blew them out of the water. Um, and and PC played well against Creighton, uh, you know, when they clinched the the Big East regular season title, winning seventy two fifty one. So they'll, they'll get a better shot from Creighton certainly, uh, in this time around. But I, I like their chances to uh, to be playing on Saturday. Yeah, Saturday against either UConn or Villanova. That should be a all-out war. Cooley versus Hurley. Are we finally going to get it? We've been kind of waiting for that since uh, yeah. before Christmas. Uh, they, they played a great yeah. game around the XL Center, and 
the rematch of the dunk was scrubbed out because of COVID concerns in the PC camp. Uh, we shall see if we get that again under the Madison Square Garden bright lights, the two New England schools. But see, yeah. They survived a tough test last night against uh, St. John's. So they have that DNA about them. It's like some teams, they got it. They know how to prevail. And other teams, it, they just wilt at the wrong possible time. Yep. And I mean, you know, Villanova PC round three would be really fun too. Uh, I'd really look forward to watching that game as well. So yeah. we'll see. Absolutely. We shall see. But we'll be back next week after the brackets come out. We'll see where, where Brian ends up. We'll see where PC ends up. And who knows? I'm sure there'll be more smoke about what about the URI coaching job as well. So uh, thanks, everyone, to listening. And we'll be back with a fresh episode soon. Take care.